0: This month, we have been studying uh, praise and worship and the the effects of praise and worship and the benefits of praise and worship. And this this week, we want to uh, focus on uh, the element of thankfulness, thankfulness, because that is so important. As I've said, 80% of our prayer should be just thanking God. Amen. Thanking him. Really, if you believe that you are blessed and highly favored then you should be thanking him. If you're truly blessed and highly favored, then you should have a smile. Despite what's going on outside, despite the attack of the enemy, despite discouragements, I am still blessed and highly favored. Amen. I believe that. I'm just like John. I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. <laughs> Don't know about you. I'm his favorite. It's got to be, or else how could I be standing here? All the things that has happened in my life, I know I must be his favorite. He saved me two times from death in car accidents. Our house has caught in fire twice. Amen. My car's been totaled several times. I'm still blessed and highly favored. I've been fired just to get a better job. I'm still blessed and highly favored. And though the outer man is perishing, the inner man is renewed day by day. See, you can't you can't control anybody else. But you can choose to be a worshipper. You can choose to be encouraged today. Or you can fold your hands and be like my pastor used to say, a bump on the log. You know what a bump on the log does? nothing. But a tree that is planted by the river is going to grow. It's going to spring up. And if you are next to Jesus, you're going to be getting rivers of living water. I tell you, this month is about praise and worship. Not about when you feel like praise and worship, but praise and worship. Because I'm sure the truth is many of us don't feel like praise and worship. We would have loved to stay in the bed this morning. But nevertheless, we're here to give God glory, to lift up his name, to praise him. This is the verse that we've been kind of concentrating on this month. In everything, in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will. Give thanks when you've lost your wallet. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Give thanks when you're late. Yes, I was late trying to get home from the church last night. And um, so I was late getting where I was going, but the, the timing of it was so perfect. As I went into this store, this gentleman came up to me just to show you how God works things out. And he says, do you know who I am? And I said, no, he says, I know who you are. And your father baptized me and my family. And he started to tell me his story. And I said, well, what, why are you not at church? So I just threw it back at him. So he's promised to come today. We'll see if he comes. But you see how the timing worked out. If I had been early, I'd have missed him. If I'd been late, I would have missed him. God does things in the fullness of his time. And that's why in everything, give thanks. Everything give thanks because this is the will of God. It's the will of God to give thanks in Christ Jesus about our lives. If we could do that, we would be such overcomers Satan would be scratching his head and say, what have I got to do to these people? (laughs) They just lost their job, and they said, God giveth and God taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm telling you some keys to to, to overcoming, and one of the greatest keys is worship and praise. And of that is being thankful, in being thankful no matter what we're going through. Now, that's hard. It's easy to say, but it's... (laughs) hard to do. When you're feeling that pressure, when, when, uh, someone has just said something to you that just wants to take all the joy out of your soul. Can you still say like, like Job, here they come, all the messages telling him all the bad news and all the stuff that's going on. And while I was yet speaking, someone else came and said, this happened that your, your farm is, is ruined and the crops are stolen. And, and Job said, naked, I came naked. I'm going to go blessed be the, now, think about that. We have talked about some of the greatest examples of worship in trouble. And, of course, Job is one, and the other one was whose child died. David. David, he's been praying for his child to live, and his child dies. The first thing he does, washes himself, anoints himself. What does he do? He goes to the temple and worships. No wonder God called him a man after his own heart. When you can do that, when in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of your pain, you can still go and because it's a choice, you can't control anybody else's attitude. But you can refuse to let the devil steal your joy, take away your your, your grace, amen, and, and put you in a hole. No, I'm, I'm going to refuse. Sometimes, uh, Between me and my wife, sometimes we have this little code word we say to each other. I can't really tell you what the words are, but we have some code words when 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 I'm getting in a in a mood. And she'll she'll tell me that code word, and that's my cue to say, okay, better check myself. And I do the same to her when she's getting a little bit maybe, you know, snippy. Because we're human. We're human. But we've developed this little code word that we say to each other when, when we are not being as nice as we should be. Amen. And hopefully it makes each of us kind of stop and we, we think about it and we usually say sorry. And we try and change our attitude. See, you're going to get out of this service what you put in. What's that? That There's a pop song saying you've got a new attitude. <laughs> so we hope that when you leave here, you will have a new attitude. The opposite of praise and worship is just being ungrateful. So we're going to look at instances today of being ungrateful because it makes a big difference. It's something that God hates. You know, if you if you're, helping someone helping someone and helping someone and they're ungrateful does that encourage you to give them any more help (laughs) and then we wonder sometimes why god (laughs) i see i see why what our attitude would be We're, we're we're all in agreement on that right so we're aligned with god's plan that when we are ungrateful it doesn't encourage him to bless us anymore so we need a code word to let us know, to check our spirit. (laughs) We need a code word to check our spirit and, and to realign our attitude with God's. Because if you were to see what other people are going through, maybe we wouldn't be so ungrateful. I take it all of you slept on a bed last night. There's some people didn't have a bed to sleep on. I guess you didn't have to go to a well to, to to pull up a pail of water. Okay. You just went to that tap and turned it on. You have some little things that are big things to be grateful for. He woke you up this morning as the song said. I'm grateful for that. Many people did not wake up this morning. Amen. We're going to look at some unthankful people and see how that that stunts our growth today. Uh, In this example, in the Old Testament, it was the children of Israel and we're going to use them as a lot as an example because the Old Testament is there for our learning. God put this, these stories in there so that we would learn. It's best to learn from someone else's mistakes than from your own. Isn't it? It's best to learn the stove is hot after you see someone else Not that you wish them to get burnt, but sometimes we are very hard-headed. Me in particular. (laughs) Sometimes God has to put you through some circumstance before you suddenly get that word to realign your attitude. Amen. So let's look at this. One of the things about unthankfulness is it blinds us to what God has already done. We find that Israel had come two years from coming out of Egypt, and they'd come the first time up to the borders of Canaan. Only two years. In fact, they could have done it much faster, but even so, two years, they were now up to the border of Canaan. And in those two years, God had done a tremendous amount of miracles. We're going to look at that. So Moses sends out the 12 spies, and they come back in Numbers 13, 32, and they brought up an evil report. Man, that church is falling apart. (laughs) carpet's got stains on it they only got one men's bathroom (laughs) man they're always repairing something man i think we need to 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 do something different and they brought back an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of israel you ought to see this church when we first came back here amen Saying, We have gone and searched, is the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. You know what they were doing? They were magnifying their problem. Our problem is so big, we, it's hopeless. When you magnify your problem, you're diminishing your God. And this was really very upsetting to God, considering all the things He had done. Unthankfulness blinds you to God's blessings. And you forget all the good things he has done for you. When you're unthankful, When you're only looking at the next shiny little object, when all you're looking for is for God's blessing and, and you're not looking at what he's already done, it blinds us to the things he has provided for us. Because if we were to right now get a pen and paper and start to write down even the little things that he took you through this year. Anyone been through some things this year? Amen. You know, that would be good this week to just write down a praise report. A praise report of what God has already done for you. And just hold it up and say, thank you. Usually our list is what we want. Lord, give me this, fix this. I'm in this situation. And that's what we hold up to. Him. But what if we wrote down the things he had done and said, Lord, this is great. You know, we give a praise report here, but let's give it to God. Let's be thankful. They, they had forgotten all the miracles God had already done for them. And they only took two years the first time to get from Egypt to the, to the border of Canaan. So the opposite of praise really is being ungrateful, unthankful, unthankful. Now, I want to show you how many times they complained. Imagine if we were to write down how many times we complained. <laughs> How many pages would you need? (laughs) Now, in this short time, and this is not all of them, but I'm going to just go through some of the things Israel said. Okay, number one, they murmured right at the Red Sea, right? After crossing the Red Sea, after seeing Pharaoh's army defeated, drowned miraculously, immediately, not a day went by, they complained. Okay, now we're in this desert, they started to complain. That's in Exodus 14, 11 to 12. Then they go two days journey into the desert. Then they started to complain about water. That was at this, the waters of Marah. The Israelites grumbled about the bitter water. And they were already to stone Moses right there. And of course, you know the story. Miracle happened. He found the branch, threw it into the water, turned sweet. Then they murmured when they went into the wilderness of sin. No doubt. The... Israelites complained about the lack of food now and God gave them manna every day, free food. They complained about the manna. <laughs> we're sick of this manna. We've cooked it five different ways. We've, we've baked it, we've fried it, we've, we've uh, boiled it and we're sick of this manna. We want some meat. <laughs> so God flooded the desert with meat. I mean, if this was a story, you'd have to laugh. I'm laughing when I think about it. How ungrateful these people were. It's amazing that God even preserved them. And and no doubt it was because of Moses. Because many times God was saying, listen, I'm tired of these people. I'm not going to do a single more thing. I'm trying to show you something here about not being ungrateful. God has taken you through the Red Sea. Absolutely. There's been times when the enemy was about to kill you. And he took you through the Red Sea. There's been times when you wondered about food, but somehow God provided. So they murmured for meat in the wilderness. They complained about the absence of meat and then wished they were back in Egypt under slavery. See, See how terrible ungratefulness is? Until God flooded them with so much meat it started to rot. Then they murmured when they came to the valley of Rephidim. They grumbled about the lack of water again at the Valley of Rephidim. And this is when Moses lost his cool. After 40 years of dealing with these ignorant people. <laughs> I don't think I'll make it that long. <laughs> Not that you're ignorant people. <laughs> I'm only on my 14th year, so. <laughs> 40, imagine 40 years with these people, 2 million people. And all they do every time is to complain. I'm talking about the opposite of praise and worship. Amen. So they grumbled about the lack of water. And this time, Moses did a a big mistake. He hit the rock twice. But God honored it anyway, and water came out. And then when they came, they started to say, listen, uh, we're tired of listening to you. We want to talk to God directly. They complained about Moses preaching to them. (laughs) Boy, that preacher's so dry. (laughs) He's so dry. Keeps repeating himself. Heard that message three times now. You know, we want to speak to God directly. You know, (laughs) sometimes when we ask some things, we should be careful (laughs) what we ask for. So God said, okay, I'm going to come down in fire. I'm going to come down in earthquake. I'm going to come down in thunder. And after they decided they saw how God was going to deal with them, they said, okay, I think it's okay, Moses, you talk to us. See how complaining they were, murmuring at Mount Sinai, the Israelites complained about God's presence and hardships they faced since leaving Egypt. Now, this was just in the space of two years they did this. But instead, they should have remembered the blessings. Let's look at the blessings that God did for them. They crossed the Red Seas, the waters of the Red Sea parted, allowing them to cross on dry ground. Imagine that, this Red Sea parted, and they crossed on dry ground. God provided a covering, a pillar of cloud. They could see visibly the presence of God every single day. They could see visibly this cloud, where it was a cloudless sky, but over the camp of Israel was this pillar of cloud, and at night there was a fire. They could visibly see the presence of God all the time. And yet, they murmured and complained. Pillar of cloud and fire, God, for 40 years, that followed them. Exodus 13, 21. Let me go on to, then the miracle of turning the water sweet. You know, they had already seen the 10 miracles of the plagues in Egypt. And God finally said, these people tested me. I wasn't testing them. They were testing me. They were seeing how far they could go before I just said, all right, I'm done with you people. Sometimes we have to be careful when we're ungrateful that we're actually testing God's patience. Bible says if he was to withdraw his breath, we just collapse into to a dust of, of ashes. Let's go on. Here's just some of the things that happened. As I said, God supernaturally fed them with angel food for 40 years. That's the longest miracle. From the time of it first happening till they crossed over into Canaan, every day they had free food. They didn't have to work. (laughs) They were in permanent retirement. (laughs) Of course, the the water from the the rock, and, and the Bible says the rock followed them up until it came to Rephidim. They had water in the desert. And then they had supernatural victory over their enemies, Amalek. When Moses held up his hands in praise and worship, a Shabbat praise, they had victory. Every time his hands fell, they started to lose. That should be a a message right there. Every time he held up his hands, Israel got the victory. So so Aaron and her came and said, we we see what's happening here. We got to hold up his hands we got to hold each other's hands up. When you're in a battle, I've got to hold your hand up. You've got to hold my hand up so that we can have the victory. I've only listed six of the things that happened in the two years, and yet when they came to the border, they started complaining. You know, if we were God, we'd have finished with them a long time (laughs) ago. So we have to be careful to not be unthankful. Can you think of something right now to be grateful for? Can you think of something to be grateful for? Have you told God about it? Have you just said, God, I thank you for doing this for me. I didn't deserve it, but your mercy and your grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to be always be great. Think of what God has done. Amen. Amen. Now, let's look at another example of unthankfulness. And this is with uh, Joseph. You may not have seen it this way. But after Joseph was elevated to the position of prime minister of Egypt, you know the story how his brothers came looking for food, right? And Joseph said unto them, fear not, for I am in the place of God. God had finally taken him from the prison to the palace. God can do that. He can take your situation and change it overnight, overnight he can change your situation now their plan was to uh to kill him really to have him die in egypt but as for you he thought evil against me but god meant it unto good remember the very first scripture i read in all circumstances I mean in everything give thanks when potiphar's when potiphar's wife has lied on you and you get thrown into prison Still give thanks? When you help out the baker and the butler and they forget about you? Still give thanks? I mean, it's not easy. But this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. Joseph had to still believe in the dream he had when he was a a little boy. Where he saw his family come and, and bow down to him. He held on to that that dream. He held on to the promise. So I believe that Joseph was a worshiper. He gave God thanks when he was uh, took, taken to Egypt. He didn't understand it. He may have thought this is so unfair, but just like Job, though he slay me, Though he's, now therefore, fear not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And, and he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt and his father's house, and Joseph lived 110 years. You see, they meant it for evil, but even in, in the circumstance, Joseph did not give back to them what, he, what they gave to him. Amen. We have to be thankful no matter what circumstances we, we are in. Why? Because the Bible says, this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus, I'm telling you, try it. If you're facing something horribly you don't like, just start worshiping. Lord, I don't understand it. It doesn't seem fair. I don't know why this is happening to me, but listen, I'm going to worship you anyhow. Do you know that is the the, the most powerful weapon you could dig at Satan? What is he going to do? The thing that's meant to kill you, to destroy your faith, to weaken you, to cripple you, and you're not reacting the way he wants you to? I'm sorry, I keep telling the same story, but when our house burned down, she was smiling. No wonder God had to give give us a better house, a bigger house. The neighbors complained because I was going to block their view of the river. (laughs) first house we had was a single story. The second house we had was twice <laughs> and they don't, they weren't happy about it. See the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow there. Neighbor did come to me and was complaining. Are, are you going up another story? Your, your first house wasn't that wasn't, wasn't blocking our view. <laughs> Can you imagine that? The, 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 the brazenness to come and tell me that I'm going to be blocking his view of the river. <laughs> but he said, I had the view of the river. <laughs> I'm telling you that when you start to praise God in your situation, you are doing more damage to the devil than anything else. Many times our problem is we focus on the people doing us wrong. That's what we do. We focus on. See, Joseph did not focus on his brothers because he knew his destiny and his calling. If God has got a blessing and a pathway for you, nobody can take it. They hired Baal, um, ba- um, what's his name? Balaam to come and curse Israel. And he couldn't do it. Every mountain he went up and he looked down, he couldn't do it. Every time he opened his mouth, all came out was blessing. You can't curse who God has blessed. It just won't work. It can't work. It is doomed to failure. I've seen it personally. You can't do it. See, we we focus on the people cursing us or the people doing us wrong. And that's not the answer because that's what Satan wants. Us to get mad and take away our joy because so and so mean mugged us. <laughs> they didn't shake our hand after church, or or they said something that we thought was aimed at us. We will focus on the actions of people. He could have just focused, he could have thrown all his brothers, he could have had them executed, actually. He could have. He could have had him executed. Instead of he focused on what God's purpose was in him going down to Egypt. Even though it meant, first of all, being a slave. Even though from being a slave he went into prison. In all things, it's God's will that we give thanks. Joseph is an example of someone who was so humble. Who who did not look at his hateful brothers who tried to kill him. But in, he, did, he, he blessed them that what? Despitefully used him. He didn't focus on the people. See, Jesus did not focus on Peter when he told him, listen, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You know they're going to kill you. What did he say? Get thee behind me, Satan. He knew that it wasn't so much Peter. It was Satan that had inspired him to plant seeds of or try to, to hinder what his, his will was. So he said, get thee behind me, Satan. See, we, Satan will try and help have us focus on our circumstance and on the people. And we'll get bitter. The Bible says we have to be careful lest the root of bitterness spring up. And we have to let it go because it don't kill them, it kills us. It kills us. I want to show you a couple more examples uh, of of some unthankfulness now hezekiah was a godly king he was a good king in fact after solomon the bible really indicates that he became israel's richest king he was blessed he was blessed but anytime you get blessed that's when you have to be careful it's when things are just going great that satan says okay now they're on the top of the mountain i'm gonna come and pull the carpet from under them let's see what they're really made of and it was when Hezekiah had been really blessed by God that he, he did one little slip up. Let us go through that. In Second Chronicles 3, thus the Lord saved Hezekiah. He had just got a miraculous victory. The Assyrians had come with 200,000 men and started to taunt Israel, taunt Jerusalem. There was a siege and they sent him a letter saying, listen, you better give up because your God hasn't saved the other cities we attacked. And Hezekiah did the right thing. You know what he did? He took the the letter and he laid it before God. And God said, it's okay, Hezekiah. You're not going to have to fight this one. Just step aside. See, when God fights your battle, you can just step aside. And he got a tremendous victory. One angel went out one night and 180,000 of the Syrians did not wake up. He spared a few so that they could take the message home. Don't come and mess with Israel. But, you know, in that great victory, all the nations around it started to fear Hezekiah. And it says in verse 23, and many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah. And he got a little bit proud. (laughs) He got a little bit too comfortable. And this is the one time Hezekiah, the Bible indicates Hezekiah slipped up. So that he was magnified in the sight of all the nations from thenceforth. Instead of giving God the glory, he started to take a little bit for himself. He was magnified. Well, you know what? This worked out pretty good. Maybe I'm as smart as I think I am. (laughs) In those days, the next verse says Hezekiah became sick. See what happens when you don't give God all the glory? The very next verse says Hezekiah became sick to death, but he was still a person who knew when he had messed up. And he prayed unto the Lord, and he spake unto him, and and the Lord gave him a sign. You know the story? The prophet came to him and said, you better get your house in order because you're going to die. But Hezekiah, although he uh, he, he had slipped up and gotten a little bit prideful, he repented, and immediately he prayed. And before the prophet had left the palace grounds, just to show you how merciful God is, he came back and said, God has added 15 more years to your life. But because he was human, he messed up again. Look what it says. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit. He forgot to thank God for sparing his life. He was not thankful that God had done that. You see, even though we we may be godly, we have to always, you know, we have to have a word. Maybe I have to give the church a word. (laughs) My wife and I have this word, I said. That way we have to check ourselves have I really been grateful? Have I thanked God for, for his mercy and his grace and his love? So therefore, there was wrath upon him. Isn't that sad? God then just came and gave him 15 more years and guess what? He did not thank God for it. He did not render. And the king just says he did not render. That means give back to God according to the benefit done unto him for his heart was lifted up. He still had that pride. That's why I think it's the worst sin. It's the sin that got Satan, right? He thought he was so beautiful and perfect until the Bible says iniquity was found in him. So even Hezekiah, even after he prayed God, forgave him and healed him, the Bible says he did not render again according to the benefit done unto him for his heart was lifted up. And because of that, the rest of his reign, he had trouble. See, that's why we always have to be thankful to God. If there's one thing I really try and do is be thankful. You don't need no money. As long as you got lips and a tongue. (laughs) If you got hands, that helps too. Right? You can always thank Jesus. Amen. You can always give thanks in the little things in the bit. You know, our thing is we only give God thanks for the big things. For the big things, my wife's car had been giving strange noises for at least a year or so now, and we were thinking, man, it's going to be something huge and big, and it's going to—we're even—we're even, we're thinking of selling it because it, it sounded pretty bad. But something told me, you know, all it is is the tires. All it is is the tires. So we changed the tires, and she told me it's, it's like a brand new car. <laughs> Now, that may not seem like a big thing, but it's a big thing. Amen. You know what? We could have taken it to some shop and they'd say, oh, this is going to be 3,000 bucks. And if we didn't know better, but you know what the Bible says about some people and they knew their God. When you know who is God, you got a second opinion. The doctor can say so and so and so, but you can go to a second opinion. So we always have to be thankful. I've given you some examples of of unthankfulness. Now, I'm going to go to the New Testament now, and we're going to look at that. Philippians 4.11. This is Paul, and he's writing this from prison in Rome, right? It's near the end of his career. Not that I speak in respect of want, and you've heard this scripture so many times, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, that means made low, I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. He's saying that whatever state, he's still going to give God thanks. Whether it's one slice of bread or a, or a T-bone steak dinner, he's still going to give thanks. I can do all things. See, we forget the context of this verse. We love to quote verse 13, but forget about the context which he's saying. When he's saying that, he's saying, I've, I can do it when I have nothing. I can do it when I have a lot. I'm going to be the same person. I'm not going to, I'm going to try to make sure I don't get lifted up in pride like Hezekiah or like Solomon or like Saul so that I'm the same person because everything comes from God. None of it is mine, right? Everything I have belongs to God. Notwithstanding he have done well that he did communicate with me with my affliction. What he's telling the Philippian church is, Uh, You knew my need and you ministered to me. So I'm I'm telling you, thank thank you. He's being grateful to the church for helping him out. But he's also letting them know that if you didn't help me, I would still be thankful. I would still be grateful because I have learned in whatever state I find myself, thereby to be content. Now, that's also a hard thing because if you're used to something and then you lose it, We, we 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 do like Israel, right? <laughs> when we moved from when we moved from uh, Benton Harbor to here, we were living next door, and my wife had no kitchen. We didn't have much of a bathroom. There was not sheet rock on the walls, and she had a right to be doing. <laughs> Why did you bring? Me? <laughs> but she didn't. She didn't. You know, uh, we were cooking on electric uh, burners. But you know what? We learned to be content and now God has blessed us with a better house. Now that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content. He was telling, listen, I'm glad that you you, you sent contribution, but if you didn't, I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to thank God. Can we do that church? Let's raise our hands right now. Give God a, a praise offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, if you only praise when your circumstances is good, you're not a worshiper. See, if you only worship when things are going great, then that's easy. That's not hard. Jesus would say even the unsaved would do that. Right? When, when they get uh, a lot of winning, they'll buy everyone a round of beer. That's, that's, that's what the world does. But can you worship when you are still going through it? Amen? Amen. Let's see, the one time Israel did a good thing is after they came up all over the Red Sea, they, they had a, a, a worship service in Exodus 15:20, And Miriam the prophetess and the sister of Aaron took a timbrel, not my favorite instrument. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have someone who can play it good, it becomes a real joyful noise. Uh, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. They had a worship service. Why God had delivered them. Amen. We, we need to have a little worship service when God does a deliverance for us. Amen. We need to acknowledge him. Let's not be like Hezekiah. God just told you, he's given you 15 more years and the Bible says, he rendered not. He, re- he did not give God back the, uh, according to the benefit. You'd think he'd have gone and, and, and called the temple and had a, a big worship service. Contrast that with David. His child just dies and he goes to the temple and worships. That's why david is singled out and god said he's a man after my own heart a man when we understand this principle we will start to have some great victories because then the devil will have to leave us alone i mean i've thrown everything at this person i've made them sick I, i made their car tire go flat they got fired and they still come into church and worshiping If you want the devil to shake his head and scratch his head, you worship in trouble. You worship in want. You worship in lack. See? And the women went out with her timbers and dances. They worshiped. And Miriam answered them, singing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. See? She's giving the glory not to any skill of Moses. She's giving the glory to who? To God. She's giving the glory To God. Because he was the one that did the victory. He was the one that brought forth the, the waves that killed the opposition. We can't do it. Amen. Let's look at a, another example. This time in the New Testament. I know I'm taking this whole time because it's so important to be thankful. It's, so, it's what moves God to do some more for you. Man, they were so grateful. I want to do more for that person. I'm going to move heaven and earth for that person. I like how they worship. I like how they show me gratitude. Amen. In the New Testament, Jesus himself in Luke 17, 11, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and he entered into a certain village. There met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They knew they were not under the law supposed to come close to him. They had to have a bell, and they had to, to, to wear special clothes to show that they were lepers. Under the law, they could not come close to him but what did he do they lifted up their voices and said jesus master have mercy upon us and when he saw them he said unto them go show yourself to the priest and it came to pass as they went they were cleansed now maybe that made no sense god does not deal with us exactly the same as he deals with someone other people he had come and laid hands on they may have been saying But that's not how he heals people. Can you tell God how he's going to fix your problem? (laughs) That's what we do. Pastor didn't pray for me. I called him at 2 o'clock in the morning. He didn't answer the phones. (laughs) See, we tell God how he's going to fix our problem. Right? Right? They could have said, but wait, that's not what you did with the blinded eyes. You made some mud. We were expecting to do some mud or something spectacular. If if we had known that, we could have gone to the priest anytime. But this time, there was a purpose in it. Because God wanted to show that he can heal in many different ways. He can deliver according to his will. And all we have to do is be obedient. They could have said, well, well, aren't you going to spit on us? (laughs) Because that's what he did. He spit, made spittle and, and made some clay. And p- or aren't you at least going to come and touch us? That's how we see you do everybody else. But no, your blessing is in obedience. Just doing what the master says. You pray, you thank him, then you do. And as they were going, the healing happened. But here's the, sto- the thing now. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass as they went They were cleansed. It's in your journey that you will be healed. And one of them, which when he saw was healed, turned back. And he was not shy about it. The Bible specifically says, with a loud voice, he glorified God. Do you understand what a life changer this was? To be healed of leprosy in those days. In the end, leprosy would kill you. Because what it is, it's a a disease that deadens all the nerves so you can't feel anything. So you damage your appendages. You would eventually lose your hands and and die of all kinds of things, your eyes and everything. Do you imagine what this meant to have your leprosy healed? He came back running. He was so grateful in a loud voice. He was not going to be quiet. He was going to let everybody know that a miracle had happened. He was grateful. He was thankful. But Jesus noticed it was only one of them. And Jesus answering and said, well, let me, let me go back. Verse, and he fell down on his face at his feet. Now, I didn't in this lesson explain the difference between praise and worship. In our last lesson, I'll go into it. But the, one of the differences is worship is complete obeisance. Com- this is what this man did. He went all the way down. He went down to his feet. That's what Mary Magdalene did. She she was in worship at his feet. And he went all the way down on his face and his feet giving thanks. Because on top of that, he was a Samaritan. He was was not even of the favored race. Yet Jesus in his mercy and his grace gave healing. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? This tells you that God does notice. And takes note when we give thanks. He does notice when we worship. So if you came in here today, give God a loud praise in our second service. You lift up your hands, you thank Him. Because He notices. I never want God to say, Where, Where's the rest of your praise? I don't I don't want to come to him and he says, well, where's the rest of your praise? I did 10 things for you this week. You only thanking me for this? I want to give him a Shabbat praise. I want to give him a Yada praise. We talked about that last week. Amen. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Amen. I want to thank the, there is no limit to giving God. You don't have to have money. You don't have to have anything but a mouth and some lips that can work. And even if you don't have that, if your mouth and lips don't work, you can raise your hands. Or worse, if you don't even have that, you can lift up your eyes. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. If you don't have any of that, you can lift up your eyes. That's what they, there is no excuse, none accepted. For not giving God thanks, even if it, all he did was wake you up today. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's keep going here. So praise as thanksgiving is also our means of salvation. Ephesians one five says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. That means it was always his plan from the beginning to make us predestined that we would be adopted of children children by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will now verse six says to the praise the reason why it's because it gives him glory to the praise of the glory of his grace unmerited favor wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved do you understand what that's saying when jesus came out of the water the voice said this is my beloved what the scripture is saying just like jesus we are now accepted as his beloved just that alone should make you be grateful i am his beloved we're his child in the lord's prayer he didn't he didn't hold back he said this is what you do you say our father you know what that makes him he makes it my father it makes it personal to me i've got to give thanks to my father amen our father It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Amen. We talk about so many times that veil splitting in two because we can come boldly to a throne of grace. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the... If that was... If God did nothing for you, except call you son, call you beloved, what this is saying, to the praise and the glory of his grace... If you, if you lived in a prison for the next hundred years and that's all you had, that you were going to be in heaven when you died, you still have to give praise. <laughs> Verse 8 says, Wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. That means that, again, if he did nothing for us but give us salvation, he is worthy of praise. Because we didn't deserve that. It's not something we could have worked for. Amen. I'm gonna rush a little bit so that we have time for discussion. The other thing that worship does, and I've said it so many times, it brings his presence. When you start to worship, there's a there's a there's a sensation you get that God is right there. The greatest example in scripture is at the dedication of the first temple. Solomon and they, they did a seven day dedication. They sacrificed so many animals, over a hundred thousand animals, because there were so many millions of people that came to the celebration and they were to be sprinkled with the blood. You know that? And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place for all the priests that were present were sanctified. See, we are called to be set apart. Otherwise, our worship won't count. You can't give worship if you're a dirty vessel. Let me just... You can give thanks for God's mercy, but true worship has to be a sanctified vessel. And they did not then wait by course. That means before, normally in the service of the temple, the Levites were divided up, as you know, into 24 clans. And so that each clan would come and do service twice a year, Uh, two weeks a year. But at the dedication, what it's saying here is everybody came. All of the whole tribe of Levi came because there were so many people to take the sacrifices from. They needed the whole tribe. So they did not do service. It says they did not wait by course. David, when he had set up the, the, the priesthood before the temple was built, divided the tribe of Levi into 24 clans. And he arranged that 24 times a year each clan would come up and be the priests for that two-week period. But what it's saying here, the dedication, they didn't wait. They didn't come up by course. The whole tribe came of Levi to serve as priests. But it wasn't just priests. And also the Levites, which were singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthan, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalters and harps. They had a a hold down service and stood at the east end of the altar with them and 120 priests sounding with trumpets verse 13 and it came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking God this ceremony marked really the pinnacle of of Israel's history the dedication of the temple this was from that point on, it was kind of downhill from them until Jesus came. And when they lifted up their voices with pray and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And it was after their praise and worship, what does it say? And then, say, and then. Amen. And then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. It's when they had praised and worshiped, then the house was filled so that the priests could not stand. I'd love that today for God's presence to so fill this place that we couldn't even preach. Wouldn't that be great? And it happens when we give true worship. When we truly acknowledge God for who he is, amen? Not so much for what he's done, but just for who he is, amen? He deserves all our praise. And the glory of the Lord filled the house of God, and they couldn't do anything more. That's all they could do. They couldn't go back in there. It was so thick. That was the pinnacle of Israel's um, uh, as a nation until Jesus comes to set back up the temple. And after that, of course, and I've said this before, God answered Solomon's prayer because he prayed this great prayer. If you read it um, at the dedication, which he asked God said, if it, he knew that Israel was going to backslide. He said, Lord, if your people, if they transgress, but if they repent and they will turn to this place and they will pray, will you forgive? And in, of course, Chronicles 7, God gives him back the answer. And says, if my people, that are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. See, that has been the promise God has given us. When we come with true worship and true praise, that when we seek his face with a true heart, that we, he will heal our land. He will answer our prayers. Just to sum it up before we finish this section, Praise refocuses our minds on God. See, we may have come in here and maybe you had a lot of stuff going on. Maybe the car needs fixing. Maybe the kids need clothes. But when we come in here and we put that down and start to focus on God and his goodness, it refocuses our mind. Praise refocuses our mind on God and connects our hearts with his. As soon as we start to do that and start to put down, we we begin walking in the spirit instead of walking in the flesh. Walking in the flesh is given by, it says, those who do mind the things of the flesh. But to walk in the spirit is to mind. That means to think about the things of God. So when you're thinking about God's glory and his mercy and his grace and how he has delivered you and how he's going to take you through this week and how you don't know how you're going to get through, but he is the king and Lord, he is the sufficient one. He is God most high. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's Jehovah Jireh. When you start to think about those things, you're now beginning to walk in the spirit, and what does the scripture say about those that walk in the spirit? To them gave He power. That's why we don't have power because we're we're not thinking the right things. When we start thinking about God's goodness and His praise, to them gave He power. To them gave He power. When you're focused upon God and His righteousness, then is when you have power. The next thing that 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 thankfulness does it. it fosters awareness of God's presence. You become aware. You can be, dis- be able to discern things. You start to be able to understand things that are going on around you that you didn't understand before because your mind now is more tuned to the spirit. Amen. Praise pushes the worries of this life into the background. When you exalt God, you diminish your problems. If you magnify your problems, you're diminishing your God. But if you're saying, my God is bigger than this. you're shrinking your problem. You know, I, I'm sorry to talk about myself, but I I almost love being fired now (laughs) because it's always a better job. You can't take what God has got for me because he has said, you are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in the, you are his beloved. And if you are his beloved, there is nothing gonna, he's not gonna let anything happen to his beloved. It says the gates of hell shall not prevail god loves his bride and he's going to preserve her praise reminds us of who god is and what he has done they shouted before the walls came down they didn't shout after the walls came down they shouted before the wall you got some walls of jericho just start to shout thank you god you've got this you're going to deal with this you're going to get me through Praise recalls God's past provision. That's how, as I've said so many times, David was able to face Goliath, face Goliath because he said, listen, I remember when God helped me kill the lion. Past provision. I can remember God's mir- I was telling someone about the church yesterday. I took someone out and I was telling them how to the, start to tell them all the miracles God has done in this church. You know, um, and I'm not going to take the time now, but I started to tell them how, how God did such great miracles for us to be here. Because praise reminds us of God's past provision. Praise voices our dependence. Let's God know that we're totally depending on you, God. If you don't do it, it ain't going to get done. It puts our trust totally in God. You've got to do this, God. I'm totally depending on you. Amen. It, it, it puts our faith where it should be. Praise helps us develop an eternal perspective because what it enables us to do is see what God has done for other people, right? Elisha said, hmm, I saw Elijah go up. I'm going to try this thing. He promised that if I saw him go up, I I was going to get a double portion. I'm going to try this thing. And he says, where is the God of Elijah? You see, it develops an eternal perspective when we start to worship and to give God thanks. We see what God has done for other people, and it encourages us. Amen. Praise opens our heart to receive God's joy. When we're not thankful or grateful, we can't have joy. You know, we're just like, (laughs) our face shows what's inside. You know, when I was at high school, they made us study uh, Shakespeare. And one of the lines I remember from Shakespeare uh, in one of his plays, I think it was Macbeth. You know, the, the, in the story, the king is plotting to kill. His, his lieutenant is plotting to kill him, kill the king and take the throne. And he's talking to himself in the play and he says, false face must hide what false heart doth know. <laughs> See, when you're planning something evil, you got to put on a face, right? But it's hard. It's hard to to hide what's inside. Eventually, it comes out. The Bible says, "What's done in darkness." So I don't I don't really try worrying about too much what people are doing because if you're doing something that you ain't supposed to do, it's going to come out. It's going to be revealed. And as much as Shakespeare is lauded as a great writer, that false face must hide what false heart doth know. Don't work forever. God. Trumps him. He said, Whatever is done in darkness will be brought to the light. Amen. Praise fulfills the purpose for which we were created. God said, I have created him for my glory. That's what it says. You were created for God's glory. We are the vessel of his glory to the praise of God. If you could stand with me. I hope you have been refreshed and blessed and you're going to go out and give God some thankfulness this week. Amen. We want to be a vessel to the glory of God. Amen. The Bible says in a great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor, right? We want to be the vessel of honor, that we are the glory of God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning that you have spoken to us, Lord. Help us to be grateful. Help us, O God, to come before your throne with thanksgiving, with worship and with praise, to lift up your name. Lord, we ask for your great blessing in our service to come. Let there be anointing. Hallelujah. Let there be deliverance. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise offering.